When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the Phoenix Sports Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Michaela Perkins, and joining me today is Gerald Bourget, Tristan Soussel, and the one and only Steve Peters. Happy hump day, everyone. I hope your I hope your Wednesday got off to a better start than mine. Um, I was really excited to wear this jumpsuit and then I spilled coffee all <laughs> over it. So I'm trying to hide the stain yeah, with the microphone. Right there. I mean, the mic stand is hiding it perfectly, so you're great. Yeah, awesome. Love job. that. Uh, I know your Wednesday got off to a bit of a rough start. I, I was going to Sun Shoot Around this morning. They have the season opener tonight. And a mile before the exit on the freeway I was supposed to get off on, my car ran out of gas. So <laughs> I had to run to the gas station, get gas, and I missed shoot around entirely. So it's great start to the season so far. Oh, oh my. You know, I'm at the no judgment, but mm-hmm. it there's a there's a specific type of person that runs out of gas. Yeah. My boyfriend's no. one of them. <laughs> and I'm like, I always am like, how the heck does you do a lot of that? Well, it, no so judgment. I was, no, I mean, I was, <laughs> it's a, no judgment, but there's a specific type of moron. <laughs> no, I was like, this is the first time it's ever happened to me. And I was like, I'm almost there. I can make it. I could not make it. And I was like, I don't know. All days, this is the first time. I have too much anxiety for that. As soon as the light comes on, I'm like, I need to find a gas station right now. And now, thankfully, we I have like a car, so I don't know if you have this, but you can see like how many miles so empty you have. Mm -hmm. And so that I push it a little bit now. I'm like, oh, I've got (laughs) six miles. (laughs) I mean, I'm here to tell you, don't do it anymore. (laughs) Mine, mine does that too. But after it gets to like 20, it just stops and it will just start flashing. And or I'm like, like okay, plummets. That's I've seen that. It just <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I thought I had 20. Now I have like three. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm going to smell like gas for the sun season opener. It's fine. We're doing great here. There are worse things to smell like, I feel like. I guess that's true. <laughs> Petey, how are you doing true. over there? You know, I, I'm sitting here kind of having a Sesame Street moment right now. It's like what? one of what? these <laughs> things that doesn't belong. <laughs> we got the suns coming off NBA championship. Oh. Lost, but a hell of a season. Oh, Cardinals. I thought he was going to say, you spilled coffee, Cardinals. you ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you no going with this? Person. <laughs> taking the valley by storm, and I'm watching the Coyotes season. All right, well, then I guess that just brings me into our uh, Valley Sports temperature check. Uh, the Coyotes have started their season. and um, they don't say have, that. They, uh, they have started. They haven't won a game yet, PD. No. What is going on over there? You know, here, here's the big problem. Not only, they've played... They've had moments where they played okay. They've had some offensive outbursts. They look like, gosh, they might be a good team. And then the wheels fall off. And they've, they've had two of their three outings have been horrific. They've lost, you know, eight to two, seven to four. Um, the concern 
is when you look at the calendar, I'm not sure where the wins come. Mm. They've got Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, comes in here tomorrow night. Yeah, they're not winning. They got the New York Islanders, who are uh, people are talking about a, a playoff run for them, and then they go out east to play Tampa, Florida, Carolina, and Washington. Whew. Uh, it might be a while before we're sitting here talking about Coyote winning hockey. If you could put your finger on one reason why it hasn't gone well, what would that reason be? You know, it's hard to say just one, but honestly, it's going to be about ownership. It's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. They're doing it on purpose. And when you try to lose on purpose in sports, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. You just create a bad team. So you don't spend money. You trade away all your players that are helping the team win. It's easy to lose. Yeah. And that's why we're here today to talk about ownership. Well, going from a team that hasn't won a single game to a team that has won every single game, they are undefeated, Cheerston. Uh, the Cardinals are 6-0 right now. They have a pretty good shot going 7-0 this Sunday. Do you think that they can go 7-0? Uh, they are 17.5-point favorites this week. So I would, I would certainly hope so. I think earlier in the season there was discussions, like, for instance, when the Cardinals were going to Jacksonville, could this be a trap game? I think with – the amount of adversity the Cardinals have overcome this season and the maturity and resilience that they've showed. I don't even think the word trap game is even a question or uh, is even in a sentence that surrounds this matchup on Sunday. So it should be a game that as long as they stay focused, they still don't have their head coach who is coming up with a game plan from his house virtually. <laughs> um, but um, listen, they've already, they've already showed that they can beat a really good Cleveland team on the road, you know, without him uh, and without some of their key pieces so this they should be 7 and 0 after this week if they just stick to what they've been doing. Have you heard anything from uh, JJ or Dhop about how they feel going up against their former team? Neither have talked yet. Okay. Um, we did ask some of the the players and Vance Joseph today if they had you know any discussions with either of them about you know emotions that are might be flying, you know, this weekend surrounding this game for them, but um they they say that hey they're both pros they're both focused on what's happening on our side of things and just want to win the game whether or not that's true and whether or not that's a different case when we end up talking to them later in the week i don't know interesting i'm excited i'm excited to watch the game it's always uh cool to see some of the former players go back and uh, dominate their uh, old it's gonna be a sad day for texans fans i know uh, yeah. i got a question about those two players specifically because i don't know the dynamics of the locker room and the players and you have a better sense of that like when I watch this team, it kind of looks like they're all playing for each other. And I think those two players going against their old team, is that kind of a vibe you think, hey, we need to do it for those guys? Like, do you think that that's, this room is that tight right now? Um, I don't know that the Texans storyline is that big of a motivator, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. They've, they've uh, been in bigger battles this yeah. season. I mean, if, if you want to, you know, something along those lines is I know for sure each time they faced, you know, one more person went down uh, with COVID or with injuries last week. It was like every day it was something more, something more, something more. And then, oh, you don't have your head coach. And then the following day, you've got one of your defensive linemen morning of the game that yeah. goes down. I mean, it was just one thing after another thing after another thing. And talking with the players, it was like it just motivated us even more. We're going to do it for that guy. We're going to do it for coach. We're going to do it for that guy. All right. Now we've got one more reason that we're going to, we're going to pull off a win and they did it in convincing fashion. So they do have that camaraderie in the locker room. I just don't know that 
the Texan storyline is that big of a yep. motivator. Well, and to be fair, too, I think a lot of their motivation comes from the fact that for whatever reason, the Cardinals keep getting overlooked by pretty much everybody other than the Arizona Cardinals themselves. I mean, up until this week, mm-hmm. they were only highest second on power rankings. And so it's just kind of wild to me that nobody is giving this team the credit that I think they deserve and that everybody, you know, in Arizona thinks they deserve. And they're just seemingly, you know, people are making excuses for why they're successful. They're not really giving them the credit they deserve. And I think that's a huge motivation for them because they're aware of it. I mean, JJ Watt on the sideline, you know, had a great soundbite of, you know, maybe we're just better. We're just better than everybody else. But I I think it's so weird. They're not getting credit. And yeah, I, I think, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit too with the Suns. Um, I almost want to say that it has something to do with just the sports market because yeah, I feel absolutely. like the Suns went through the the same thing. And even even when they made it through the finals, people were still and national outlets were still, oh, it was because the Lakers had injuries, so that, that's why <laughs> it was because. And it was just always what the, what the other team was going through as opposed to what the Suns were doing. And so we saw it just last year. We're seeing it again with the Cardinals. I think there's something about this market. We're not a Dallas or, um, you know, a market that just naturally garners a lot of national media attention. Mm-hmm. I saw outlets this week that, like, left them off of their, their rankings. It was, like, for, like, or, like, you know, Super Bowl contenders, like, and they, they're not even included in the conversation. And it's, like, you know, do you pay attention yeah, at all? Like, seriously. what's yeah so right no it's it was very much a thing with the suns last year too and even heading into this year i think we asked monty about like is it nice that the suns are kind of getting the respect that they deserve and seen as a finals contender he's like i don't really see much of that like from what i've seen like they they know that we're better but like it's all it's still the la teams it's still boston even like new york gets more buzz than a team like phoenix just because for whatever reason, people forget this is like the fifth largest city in America, but mm-hmm. the sports culture or just the market here is not quite the same as some of those other like diehard sports cities in the national eye. For well, whatever reason, that's why we exist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. PHNX is here to save the day. No, yes. that's the argument that I made. I was like, hey, if you're unhappy with the national media, why are you tuning in? You've mm-hmm. got all yeah. you need right here: Coyotes, <laughs> Cardinals, Suns, mm-hmm. Diamondbacks. We Diamondbacks. do it all five days a week, five podcasts a week. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up our Valley Sports Temperature Check with the Suns. The Suns, they are playing real, meaningful basketball tonight. Yes. It is back. Suns basketball is back. Gerald, how are you feeling? I feel great. It's exciting. I mean, I didn't get my season opening day off to the (laughs) best start, but the Suns feel great. Everybody's healthy. Um, The Nuggets are obviously still without Jamal Murray, and this is a team that the Suns swept handily in the playoffs without Jamal Murray. So, I feel like at home and just based on the continuity they have compared to last year, like they're feeling pretty good and pretty confident heading into this one. That's great to hear. Obviously, we want them feeling good heading into their season opener, especially at home. And I know we're going to get into this a little in a little bit, but uh, is there any uh, dark cloud hanging over this team, do you think? <laughs> I just want to know if it's affected people outside of DA, obviously, with the contract stuff. You know, face value, everything that they've told us is like, we're moving past this like we're here for DA because we know he's disappointed and right. and everybody all the vets on the team like they had said like our job and Monty too our job is to get him the bag it's to get him paid and so they were disappointed for him that he didn't get this contract extension that he wanted but at the same time like life moves on he still wants to be here the Suns still want him here even though they weren't willing to pay up to his asking price so it's one of those things where you kind of just let his on-court play do the talking because he hasn't spoken to us since 
that happen. It's been you uh, haven't received any update from DA himself. No, so it's no. been two practice sessions and then shoot around this morning. He hasn't talked to he us. He didn't yet. talk and shoot around at shoot around. No. Okay. I don't think so. All right. Yeah. He was. I was on the side of the road, but I was <laughs> I was frantically running to a gas station with my Zoom call open. <laughs> but yeah. I was told that there is a good chance that he would talk today. He should talk post game. I would assume that's when we finally get him because then it'll be like there'll be actual on court results to talk about. So hopefully, I mean, I hope that this doesn't turn into some type of standoff, but yeah. it could just be a young player wanting to take his time for when he does talk to us to get everything that he wants to say, you know, down pat. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that more in just a second, but that was your Valley sports temperature check. And before we get into our topic of the day, you guys, I got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, has got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you will win $200 in free bets Hashtag winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> it's really that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get some skin in the game with their new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets for the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. That's one of my favorite parts of the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PHNX. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you'll win $200 in free bets if they win. You win with promo code PHNX this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 and up only, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. All right. How about we get into our main topic of the day? Aaron, hit it with us. How has ownership impacted the Arizona's sports teams? Uh, not the most positive topic um, for some people, but I think still an important topic. Obviously, we're talking about this because um, the of the DeAndre Ayton news that has come out. Uh, the rookie contract extension deadline was a couple days ago, and DA went without the extension. It was reported that Robert Sarver was not going to offer him the max contract that he was looking for, so he did not get the extension that he wanted. I don't want to be a pessimist, but Gerald, this seems like a reoccurring issue. And in the 18 seasons that Sarver has owned the Suns now, it seems like he just shoots himself in the foot and he just can't shake the negative narrative that has surrounded him and the ownership of this team. Right. It's unfortunate because time and time again, we've heard Sarver say, like, I've learned my lesson from this mistake. I'm going to be better. I'm willing to pay to keep a contender together. And if you look at the other contracts he gave out this summer or that he at least approved of his GM to make, he paid up like he paid up for Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. Campaign's deal was a bargain, but he also gave Landry Shamit an extension, Mikhail Bridges an extension. Um, you know, they brought in guys that are going to keep this championship team together. It's just unfortunate that when it came to DA, who is probably the greatest potential source of friction on this team from a chemistry standpoint, if he didn't get what he wanted, mm -hmm. they didn't give him what he wanted. And, mm -hmm. you know, whether this is Sarver or not, or James Jones just not wanting to pay the max, 
because there are reports that have surfaced in the last few days about it being more a James Jones thing than a Robert Sarver thing. Either way, because of Sarver's history, he will never get the benefit of that doubt. So it's one of those things where, you know, he's he's in a lose-lose situation because of his past and because of these type of things that keep cropping up again. See, that yeah. was like my first thought when we were prepping for this show. I was talking to Michaela about it, and I was like, it's hard to differentiate sometimes the difference between what move is the general manager's move and what move is the owner's move. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times... You know, we we don't know the the all the details of what goes on, but I would say from Sarver's perspective, you know, he's given uh, over the reins to James Jones, and he's been vocal about that. So my first thought, to even in that situation, was I wonder if James Jones really felt like that deal had to be done if Robert Sarver is back to his old ways where he's hard headed and he's gonna he's gonna be the puppet making all the moves or. Uh, you know, or if James Jones isn't all sold out on that deal and therefore Robert's like, okay, if you don't think that he's worth it right now, then we're not going to do that. Um, And, you know, whatever the case is, but it's not, it's, it's typically not just we're doing this. We're not doing this because I said so. Right. And that's, that's the hard part is like, because James Jones did come out in that athletic article and he said like, no, this was me. Like we were playing around with the idea of a three or a four year max, but they wanted the full five years Mm -hmm. and we just didn't want to meet that. I think in the article, it said they wanted to retain their flexibility because the type of contract that he would have gotten would have prevented them from trading for another star player who's on a similar type of contract, Um, which is weird because if they were going to trade for that third star, like how are they going to get that done without including DA? Like, so I don't understand that, but it's one of those things where James Jones is publicly saying it was me, but a lot of Suns fans are going to have a hard time ever believing that just because of everything they've gone through over the last year. Yeah, the, the history of Sharver here, that that's a real gray area. And I think yeah. when it works out the best in sports is when the owner does hand the reins over and says, that's all you. Unfortunately, that's mm-hmm. so rare mm-hmm. because the egos and the money involved that the owners take a step back. And I, I, when I was with the Coyotes, lucky enough, I was in a situation where we were owned by the league at one time. And I'll be completely honest, there was no budget, there was no money, but that's as smooth as that organization has ever run. Yeah, absolutely. Because the general manager ran it based on hockey decisions, not based on money and business decisions. So I think that that's why fans, and I'm a fan of the Suns, I'm not inside it. I look at it and go, yeah, he's had his hands in a lot of stuff. So him mm-hmm. not to be involved, you're kind of surprised. The bigger issue now for DA is if he wants to get paid and he wants that money, there's only one route to get there. And that's to play extremely good basketball. Mm-hmm. Like if if he doesn't show up, he's not going to get paid. I think this will be the ultimate test of his maturity. So he matured, I mean, leaps and bounds last season. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think back to a guy like Jordan Hicks with the Arizona Cardinals, who was told on draft day that he was being replaced by a rookie before he in David Collins before anyone even stepped on the field. It was it, Steve Kime said, uh, Jordan, you don't even have an opportunity to compete for the starting spot. Uh, we're going with Zayvon Collins, this kid we just drafted. He has, you know, a super high ceiling. He's our guy. That's what we're going with. And um, you've been great to us, so I'm going to let you walk if you want to. And that's that. And Jordan Hicks didn't. He stayed, and he worked his butt off. And guess who is starting? Jordan Hicks. <laughs> and so that showed tremendous amount of maturity, None of the situation that was going on with a contract or starting, you know, playing time or whatever bled into the locker room 
And I'll be curious to see because DeAndre Ayton has been criticized in the past for mm-hmm. his maturity, mm-hmm. how it all unfolds. He's that it scares me a little bit how yeah. he'll react, right? Do you think it's a bad sign he hasn't said anything yet? I don't think it's the best sign. I give him the benefit of the doubt because we've seen, especially in the past year, how important it is for these athletes to be able to prioritize their mental health. Yeah. I don't think this is quite the same thing because he's still practicing, he's still playing. It's not a, you know, I'm burnt out of of all the pressure of this sport. It's more of a, I'm upset I didn't get the contract I want, which I understand because if I had millions of dollars at stake and I didn't get that kind of extension, I'd be pretty bummed too. And I'd want to take time to collect my thoughts. But the longer that he goes without speaking to us and giving his side, the more that this becomes a story, the more that this kind of lingers in the air. Um, So I hope that tonight, you know, we'll be able to watch a great game, first of all, and then we'll be able to talk about the game, ask our questions about how he's feeling about the contract and then move on. And I know that it'll be on the minds of lots of Suns fans everywhere all season long, but like, I kind of just want to nip this in the bud so we can focus on basketball again. Yeah, it seems like that would be the smartest way to go. And, you know, I want to ask you, too, I feel like this entire situation surrounding DeAndre and the Suns and Robert Sarver, I think it's been magnified to a certain extent because, you know, you mentioned previously, you know, past mistakes. And this feels very similar to another situation that uh, Robert Sarver got in with uh, Joe Johnson. And we actually have um, <laughs> Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson weighed in uh, <laughs> on this situation. Aaron, if you want to put that on the screen, uh, the tweet. Um, so this is a, a tweet that was posted. Obviously, this is Woj announcing that uh, the contract between DA and the Suns didn't get done. And then uh, Joe Johnson, the comments sounded, uh, uh, sounded off with a comment uh, saying, it sounds about right, coming from Robert. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so Joe commented, that was his comment, uh, saying that it sounded about right, coming from Robert. Um, Obviously, there's some (laughs) contentious feelings. (laughs) Yeah, it's like shots fired. I didn't see that. Yeah, so that happened a couple days ago, obviously. Um, Obviously, Joe is, you know, still a little salty, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. You know, getting burned by Sarver himself. Um, but I think this has triggered Suns fans because it feels so much similar to that situation. And I just like, I just want to know, you know, I guess it's kind of hard to say, but he just, why do we keep getting in the cycle? Yeah. I mean, so it's Joe Johnson was the name that kept coming up repeatedly when we were talking about this potential extension for DeAndre, because there are some similarities there. I think it was back in 2004, they couldn't come to an agreement on an extension, Joe had a fantastic season that year. And then they gave Steve Nash, you know, a ton of money, which was, I mean, right. he was old. So people were like, well, is that the best decision? Obviously, you know, it paid off, but right. that's kind of like Chris Paul, you know, Chris Paul's at the end of his career. They just gave Chris Paul a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And now you got, you know, DA they, in the they, same. Yeah. They had a potential finals team back then. And a lot of people believe that if they had kept Joe Johnson that following season, they probably would have won it all. Um, I think he wanted like a six year, $50 million extension. And they wouldn't give it to him. And then when they came, when he balled out and it was time to negotiate again the following summer, they offered him the same figure that they had offered him the year before that he didn't want. So I think he was pissed about that. And then that's when he decided to tell them, don't match any offer on me. I want to go to the Hawks. And that's what wound up happening. Um, So this is a little bit different, but people are very worried that it could go that way. Because, I mean, for people who don't know, contract side of sports you know da is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season yes teams are going to be allowed to give him an offer sheet and he technically can accept that offer and walk if 
you know, he doesn't, if the Suns don't want to match it or if the Suns, you know, choose not to match it, are you afraid that that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility, but I really do feel like if the Suns are not, if this season doesn't go according to plan, if DA doesn't look like a guy they want to invest in long term, then rather than not match an offer sheet from someone else and lose him for nothing, I think they would seriously consider trading him ahead of the trade deadline. I think they're very much, you know, if you're not committing to your number one overall pick, he's the first number one pick to not get this kind of contract extension since 2007. Which so was why, Greg why not though? Like, what what's the missing piece that on the could outside there be that I'm missing? Personal to it? Yeah. Is there is there a personality thing? Is it there could be because you know Da has not it, outside of the playoff run. The vast majority of Da's first three regular seasons have been inconsistency. There was the 25 game suspension due to the diuretics. Mm -hmm. There was the uh, missing a bubble game because he missed his COVID tests, mm -hmm. which is hard to do. In a bubble where you're getting yeah. tested multiple times a day. <laughs> um, so there are concerns or there were concerns about his maturity. I think like Chirsten said, he's grown up a lot in that regard over the last year. He um, has safety nets all around him, though. He does. And Chris Paul and Monty Williams. I don't I'm not advocating. I'm not I'm not defending, you know, not signing D.A. to a max deal. Mm -hmm. But I could understand it from that perspective because could you imagine how many things that go on behind the scenes that we don't know? Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, these are the things that we do know and they're pretty serious. Mm -hmm. So is it, you know, one year with a whole lot of safety nets around him to, and then, you know, the dad thing or whatever, he had a life changes, but they probably want to see, okay, well that was one, you had one good year where you improved and, and you know, a maturity st uh, instance, but are you going to continue or not? Right. It, it's one of those things where, the Suns evaluated him and his value in a vacuum because in a vacuum, DeAndre Ayton is not your typical max player. Like yeah. I, I looked back on the players who have gotten this type of deal over the last few years, and they're all guys that can create their own offense, guys that are bona fide superstars. And then Andrew Wiggins, who everyone kind of makes fun of that contract as being a mistake. So if you have to ask if a guy is a max contract guy in a vacuum, he's probably not. But if you look at his market value, like as soon as Michael Porter Jr., got that kind of deal yeah. that he got from the Denver Nuggets, DA's people were never going to accept anything less, and right. nor should they have. So it's unfortunate. It could just be as simple as James Jones doesn't see it yet and, like, prove it. Like, right. prove that what you showed in the playoffs you can do on a night-to-night -night basis again, and then we'll pay up. But, you know, everyone's going to go back to Sarver always for this. Yeah, but right. the fear is that he's going to, we said before, like, if he goes, sits and pouts about it and he doesn't perform on the court and he complains mm -hmm. in the media – not going to get paid by anybody right so you're not going to get the contract you want if he get does get that offer and this the suns don't match it they don't want him mm -hmm. so it's really in tough to him i would say if you have a player yeah to your point if you've got a player who can't handle the fact that hey we're gonna we want you to play another year to show us that you're worth a match. I mean, we're not talking like a $10,000 raise. Like right. we're yeah. talking about right. serious money that's going to change the landscape of what this team's going to look like in the future and who they're going to be able to bring and what, you know, moving pieces are going to be a part of this team for, for years to come. Mm -hmm. So um, I lost my train of thought there, but yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I guess to, to my point, I guess if, if you have a guy that's going to take it personally and allow it to affect the locker room, Etc. Do you want that guy to be on the team? Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be difficult because he has said in you know media day was the first time that he's kind of directly mentioned the fact that like yeah I did sacrifice last year for the good of the team by focusing on just my role 
Um, and then he said, you know, I don't like my big man role. He straight up said that at training camp. Like, I don't like my role. I want to shoot more threes. I want to do more on offense. He said he's been telling the coaches that he, some of the things that he wants to do a little bit more this season. Those are kind of red flags to me before we even got to this point. I think that the ironic part is he got into this conversation of potentially being a max guy because he focused on his role in the playoffs. And that's what made him so valuable. Because all of a sudden we saw a physical guy down low mm -hmm. and a great defender mm -hmm. and things that we hadn't seen consistently out of DA. Right. That was what is even getting us to this right. point where yeah. we're defending <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Right. Wait a second. Right. So him for him to say that, it's worrisome because if he starts hunting shots, if he lets this affect him and says, okay, I sacrificed, I didn't get what I wanted. Right. Now I'm going to get mine because I want to get paid. Mm it's actually going to backfire on him, I feel like, because I don't think he has that type of stuff in his game yet to be that type of player that's going to go out and get a max deal. I think other teams were surprised he didn't get the max from the Suns, and the Suns do have the power to max. They have the power to give him an extra year and way more money than anybody else next season. But if other teams know the Suns are going to match and the offers don't come, we could be back in the same situation where the Suns are lowballing him again next year. Right. So it's it's kind of a mess right now. Lowballing also doesn't work in any, um, you know, coming from a TV background. Mm -hmm. um, it never ends well. <laughs> but, but having said that too, and I and I look at what we're doing or what people are going to their cubes today, and if you know the guy on the other side of the cube wall, he's making a lot more money than you. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard not to get those emotions and that frustration. Hey, I'm coming in here and doing this. I might be doing more and providing more to this company than that guy. Right. It, it's hard. But I think that is why this is going to be a perfect opportunity for DA to put up or shut up and, right. you know, show the Suns that regardless of, you know, this contract, regardless of any external factors, I'm going to come every day. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to show you why I should have gotten that extension in the first place and make you regret it. But um, if he does that and the Suns, for whatever reason, don't give him a max contract, we're talking about a completely different. We're ripping yes, even more right. into Sarver, into James Jones, yep. and DA is going to be pissed. Right. But don't you think, though, and, and maybe I'm being optimistic, if he does all those things, keeps his mouth shut, good citizen in the room, plays well, does the things he's asked to to help this team win, I mean, I guess I'd like to hope that the Suns come through on their side of the bargain. Clearly, but we don't know if they will be. Like to see that that's the direction they go. It's you scary hope. that you know it's going to come down to <laughs> Robert Sarver uh, in that decision making room. Not but really, though. You don't think? I so? still think James Jones has the has the upper hand. He's been given the reins. I think if if Da proves himself and James Jones is like, here's my here's what my thought is. You know, moving forward the next few years, Da fits. We need to have him. He proved himself. We're sold out. This is what you need to do. I think Robert will do it. And that's going to be, you know, where, you know, I, my, my last question before we move on to the Coyotes ownership, um, what can Robert Sarver do or is there anything left for him to do to redeem himself as the owner of this organization? Not win in, a championship. Not immediately. A lot of people are saying like he needs to make himself available to the press and, and explain why he did this. And I'm like, okay, James Jones just went to the athletic and explained why he did this. And I think I agree. I think he's been given more reins than you know ryan mcdonough had in the past for example um it's just unfortunate because like you go back to like his first couple years on the job in four back-to-back -back drafts he drafted a good player recognizable name and traded them away 
for a future draft pick and cash considerations. God. And then the next year he did it again. So he had, it was Nate Robinson in 2005, Sergio Rodriguez in 2006, and Rajon Rondo in 2006, mm. Rudy Fernandez in 2007. Like those are, that's four years of like taking a first round draft pick that could have helped Steve Nash's teams right. and trading him away for a future asset. And then when the future asset came, he did it again. <laughs> so. Right. It's hard to come back from that. I think it's going to come down to next summer, what happens with this DeAndre Ayton situation. Um, and if they pay up then, then I think we, you know, we need to dial back some of that criticism. Because like I said, he did pay up a lot of money for some of these other guys. I really do think it might have just come down to James Jones not being ready to hand him that five-year max. All right. Well, there you have it. That was a good, uh, good breakdown, Gerald. <laughs> Speaking of uh, <laughs> ownership issues, <laughs> wow. Steve Peters, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, we have had a lot of issues with ownership with this team. You know, they've gone back and forth between owners. There was a time, like you said, where they were owned by the league because they didn't have an owner. And then, you know, through turmoil, they finally managed to find someone who they thought was going to be a great owner and very well mil may still be. Sorry, I can speak English there. But, you know, when Alex Morello took over, you know, there's this, this excitement. They were excited for the first, you know, Hispanic owner in the NHL. And then this offseason, Katie Strang from The Athletic drops a bomb about how dysfunctional this front office, this ownership group has been overall. What is going on with the Coyotes? Is there ever going to be a stable ownership situation for that franchise? It's hard. And you look at the other organizations in the city and they've had you know, minimal ownership issue, not issues, but owners. Like it's either a family issue. Mm -hmm. They keep the, the family, the Bidwell families had the Cardinals forever. Yeah. The, the Coyotes, honestly, you don't know year to year what the hell is going to happen yeah. or who's going to own your team. And you hear coaches and general managers talk about culture, winning culture. I, I think it's overused by coaches bringing in a culture versus a different coach. Culture starts with an owner. Like that's, that's where the culture starts. And unfortunately what happens here is time and time and time again, you get new players coming here and they're going, you guys do it this way. And you're like, welcome to Oakland. And that's hard. Like they want to, they, they talk like they're providing professional atmosphere and professional things and then don't always spend to that level. Mm -hmm. And I get why, I mean, season tickets, they don't sell them. Corporate sponsorships go downtown to the suns. It's a hard marketplace to make money in. So the owners have to be financially responsible, completely understand that the issues go beyond that when they try to delve into other areas than the business side and the money side. And I think that's through all sports. When owners try to get involved with what's going on in the sport, mm -hmm. if they would hire a general manager, let them do their job, you're in charge of the sport. I think they'd be better off. And what we've seen through the coyotes through time is owners that wanted to do things for different reasons. The very first owner here, uh, Mr. Richard Burke, bought the team from Winnipeg, moved them here, was probably the prototypical guy that he wanted to win. He wanted to have a good business, but he wanted to be hands off. And if he were still the owner today, we'd be playing in Scottsdale, rooting a team that had had multiple years of playoff success. Unfortunately, that went over to Steve Ellman, who is not a sports owner. He's a real estate developer and did not have any concern for winning, developing a team, developing a future. He wanted to develop a shopping district well so now we're no longer in scottsdale where the the hockey fans are we're in glendale because he got a heck of a good deal on land to build them all 
And that's... I didn't know that. Yeah, they gave him the land for Westgate. And that's why we're in Westgate. And so uh, he was a real estate developer. That's why that whole thing exists. Yeah. That's why the Cardinals are there. Tirson's mind just got blown. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, so he, he didn't do it to win or we're going to build a franchise. I got free cheap land to build them all on. Great. He And he is no longer the owner. Westgate went bankrupt. The team went bankrupt. And he made money. Mm. And that's why they do it. Mm. So the, the frustration level it just continues to grow. And I said the best of times were when the league owned the franchise. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Don Maloney had free reigns to make hockey deals. Had a budget. Stick to the budget. Make hockey deals. And that's why they had success during those years. They made the playoffs three of those years. Like, yeah. It's not a surprise. Um, the difficulties with ownership over the last few years. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be a bitter employee. So I have nothing to say about the new owners other than they're trying to win right now. And they're doing it through tanking. Yeah. Yeah. They know it. They publicly come out and said it. I hope they're successful with it. I hope they get the building in Tempe. I, I hope they're able to get those high draft picks. I want to see this franchise succeed. And it's the only way they're going to do that. Um, I hope when that time comes, they're willing to spend money. Yeah. And that's how ownership. But I think needs that's why people are so concerned about this ownership group specifically right now is because, you know, the, the main feature of that article from the athletic was the fact that this organization was cutting every possible corner when it came to money, not paying vendors or trying to lowball vendors and say, we know we owe you this, but we're only going to pay you this, take it or leave it. They were the only organization in Arizona, sports organization in Arizona that laid off employees during the pandemic. It, I mean, you, you know, know I, think, I think the Suns, they, they, they called it furloughing, but they did lay off some people. Um, they cut I know, jobs. Yeah. Yeah. They cut a lot of jobs. Because like, Lindsey Smith was one of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Lucky for us. But yeah, lucky for us. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, okay. So then. Yeah, I, I get it. But, but that's not cut. encouraging if we're being. And, and what's hard Sarver. to look at, and it's, it's easy for sports fans and even employees that were under that regime to say, yeah. gosh, you need to keep paying me. Mm-hmm. Well, really? Mm-hmm. Like, I lost $50 million last year. How'd you do? Like, okay. Uh, I mean, I can't, if I want to complain about it, I, I should go buy a team. Well, I can't. He yeah. could. Right. So he's running the team like a business. Mm-hmm. He has multiple businesses. He's done extremely well in those businesses. Well, and that's where the other concern comes from, right? Is like he's never owned a sports team before. He made his money in media and casinos in Vegas. Right. So, you know, people are concerned because they're like, well, where is the experience going to come from that's necessary to own a sports team to make decisions that are, you know, going to impact the future of this franchise forever? And that's what's hard because you, you want those people to entrust people that have been around sports and involved with sports. And that's why you hire good sports people around you Yeah, because running a sports team, whether it's hockey, football, baseball, basketball is much, much different than running a business. Yeah. It's the expectations of your employees, i.e. your players are much different than what an employee of a regular business. I don't want to call it a regular business, but taking care of players is much different than taking care of employees. Their yeah. expectations are different. What they want out of what being in that market means to be a professional basketball player, football player, there are higher expectations. And I think it's just different. It's not always about the bottom line. Yeah. Hey, we want an extra massage table in the post game, post game room. Okay. Well, that's going to cost me money. Well, who cares? It'll make me happy. Yeah. And making players happy is incredibly but important. But it seems like they, mm-hmm. you know, they had trouble doing that even. I mean, their Connor Garland sent them, his agent sent them an offer sheet. You know, they were trying to negotiate a contract never heard back completely ghosted Connor Garland and his agent. So there's another issue of there are 
there are definitely some financial constraints to how they're dealing with their players at that time. I yeah. think Bill Armstrong's trying to re-energize or change that culture. Um, all I can say, it's a difficult landscape for hockey yeah. right now. And, and it's hard to, to, to fault them on their business side because there is no revenue mm -hmm. um, until they get that new building. Hopefully they get the new building. They have sports gaming inside that building. Money's flowing in. They pay for players and they win a championship. That's a long way from where we are today. Do you see that happening soon? You know, they, they hope to have the Tempe Arena deal at least announced by the first part of the year. If they get that step going forward, I think it's huge in the direction of this ownership. If they don't get that, all bets are off. I don't know. And that's what these other ownerships that have been here and come and gone mm -hmm. didn't get that piece and they leave. And so that's the fear is if, if he is unable to get a new building, is this team up for sale again? And that's a fear to go through that again. It's yeah. going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great thing that they're moving out of Glendale because <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it's just difficult for that team to survive out there. I mean, the Cardinals play once a week, play once a week, and it's a different scenario. You're going to make the drive once a week on a Sunday. Um, but the Coyotes are a different situation. But I hate I hated how this whole thing came about. And I think it could have been done in a better way. You know, there's always two sides to the story, but sure. I got on as soon as the city of Glendale announced that they weren't renewing the deal with the Coyotes, I got on a call with the city manager who made that decision. And, you know, he didn't he didn't bash the Coyotes or the Coyotes organization. You know, he didn't he didn't go there, but he expressed um, a lot of disappointment in the organization and and spoke for the for the city. And I'd be interested to to actually like get out and talk to people who live in Glendale. But, you know, he mentioned that they, the city, you know, when they couldn't pay their bills, I mean, they, they helped the Coyotes survive and they have done, you know, a lot of things to, you know, help build up the Coyotes and feel like the fact that they were always one foot out and wishy-washy and didn't really play their role in supporting the community in, of Glendale. Um, and then obviously, you know, the negotiations didn't, you know, didn't go well because Coyotes came out and said, oh, we were blindsided by this while the city manager said, no, we've been like, we've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, all the details surrounding it's, it's great. Yeah. The Coyotes are, are you know, going to be somewhere um, that's easier to access games and that should hopefully bring in, you know, more fans, more revenue, et cetera. That's going to keep the Coyotes in Arizona. But I hated to hear the way that it all went about because it's almost like a Sarver type of deal. Mm -hmm. It's like the city says one thing, you say another thing, who's got a better track record. Yeah. You've got a bad past. So, uh, past. So, you know, I'm going to believe, you know, the, the city of Glendale on this one, yeah. you know? Yeah. You, how do you expect them to react? Mm -hmm. We we don't like it here. We don't like your building. We don't like dealing with you. <laughs> We're not going to pay you. We're right. going to be behind in our bills. Glendale is not where we want to be. There's no fans, no money. We don't like it. But please, can we stay here for a really good, reasonable rate? Right. <laughs> what? They were behind in their in their payments when I was talking to the city. It was like they they owe us a million dollars right now, like just right just at this as we speak. So it is mean? still interesting to see. And I'm still of the belief. I still personally believe that's where they play next year. I mm -hmm. think they'll pay a, a premium. I think they'll. So be, so this year and uh, next year. Yeah, I think they'll be back. I think there's really no choice. I think they'll be there. I think they'll pay a premium. There'll be all kinds of things on the contract on when and how they get paid. 
I don't think they have a choice. Well, you don't have it. You can't build an arena that quickly. No, it's no. either that or the Madhouse on McDowell, and that's not. That's not going to happen. An option. That's too. So I think they'll be there, and it goes back to the business dealings. Do you want that reputation of that kind of ownership publicly? Whether and, and we could talk all day whether it's real, not real, or what they're doing is right or wrong. The public perception of that ownership is what you read in the media, in the athletic, mm -hmm. because instead of coming out and saying, "Hey," To fix that culture, we're going to do this. Right. That's not what they did. No. They came out with a response. Completely opposite direction. Their response to The Athletic is, well, we're going to sue everybody that would talked in The Athletic article, mm -hmm. which just reinforced everything that was talked about right. in The Athletic article. Do you mm -hmm. think there is a cultural issue in the organization with this new ownership group that is non-redeemable? I think there's always a way out. I think winning cures all ills. Yeah. Like even the like the Suns were the most miserable, dysfunctional franchise for almost ten years, and then an eleven-year playoff drought. Yeah, <laughs> and then they drafted Devin Booker, and then they drafted Da and Mikael Bridges, and then they had a foundation, and that bubble run happened. They got a couple more vets. Then a guy like Chris Paul wanted to come. It was all like this giant domino effect that I don't think anyone saw happening that quickly. But I think if you draft the right talent, it'll come. But I think what I'm hearing from you, though, is that like where they play is almost more important right now than they need to play somewhere have. else to make the money yeah. to be able to compete yeah. at, at an even playing field in the NHL. Yeah. They can't compete in Glendale. And I tell you what, the facility when it was built was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's been there 18 years now. And not, it's a great place to go to work. It's a good building. It's a great building to watch a hockey game in. No excuses, but they can't generate the revenue there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without revenue, you can't have a business, and you can't put a winner on the ice. Mm -hmm. They need to move. It's just the reality, and you're seeing it across the sports landscape. Every sport needs that shiny new building. Mm -hmm. And if the Coyotes are going to compete, and whether we talk about culture or winning, the only way that's going to happen is if they go somewhere else. And, so and I, I think it is. I think... The new building starts everything. Then there's yeah. going to be more money. And with more money, you can do the things that make everybody inside and outside the organization happier. It's really going to come down to that. And yeah. I, I, do, I don't want to leave personally this thing saying we're bashing the county's ownership because I, I still have relationships with a lot of people that work right. there. And and I know they're doing a lot of things in the community. They're trying to put on the, the brave face and do the right things. I don't know if they're doing things because they just don't know how to do it differently. Right. And that's how we talk about running a sports franchise. I still think they're learning how to run a sports franchise. And I think that's the difference there. They're still trying to run it like other businesses that they've had. And I don't know if that model works for professional sports. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like the organization itself is at a huge crossroads because, you know, this can either go one of two ways. Like you were saying earlier, they can either get this new arena deal they have eight picks in the draft next year. They've got, you know, um, a lot of talent in their system now that they recouped from trades that they made this past offseason. If they can get all of the ball rolling on that, the future is bright. For but sure. it sounds like, you know, it's all very dependent on very whether precarious. or not. Yeah, it's a and precarious you, situation. You're going to hear next summer, Houston. It's just the same right. thing we, we see, we've heard. Winnipeg, Seattle. I was looking for houses in Portland, Oregon, and that's not a joke. At one point in this ownership fiasco over, you know, the last 20 years. Well, that was my next question is <laughs> if this ball doesn't get rolling and this organization can't write the course, do they move? I keep saying there's no chance they leave the Valley for the same thing. Gerald said it's it's 
top 10 TV market yeah. in the country. The league wants them here. Well, the commissioner, as I say, the commissioner doesn't want them to go anywhere. The league wants the team here desperately. Yeah. At some point, though, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And how if they don't more, get that new building, I don't know if they can stay. How many more ownership groups do you need to change? Right. How many more times? How many more losing seasons? How yeah. many more turmoil do you need to go through before it's just enough and you have to go somewhere else? Yeah. I, and I hope that never happens. Mm-hmm. The city, for for small as the hockey fan base is, it's They're extremely so passionate. passionate. Yes. They love the sport. I hope hockey survives here. And I truly believe Bill Armstrong and the management team is trying to do the right things to build a winner in the same pattern that the Suns did. The Suns were miserable yeah. for years. They drafted well, they developed well, and now they're a much different franchise than they were. That's the plan that Coyotes have. Mm-hmm. They've got the pieces in place. If they can execute them, there's no reason that this can't be a team that's battling for a championship five, six years from now. It's just between now and five, six years from now, is a very, very long time yeah. to a sports fan. So let's hope they can stay on track and get to the place where the Suns are today. But I feel pretty optimistic about that. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't sound, going back to my earlier question, it doesn't sound like the situation is irredeemable. Absolutely not. And I, and I, I, I want everybody here and there to go. There's positives here. Like yeah. This is really a good time, if you're patient, to be a Coyotes fan because you, you can see the Suns' success, the exact same plan. And I will say this, the Coyotes have more draft picks in the first two rounds next year than any team in the history of the mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. So if they draft well, like y- y- this could be something. It really can be. It's just not as easy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's hope, fingers are crossed, let's hope they move. Ownership has a, you know, raking in money from sports gaming, a new facility, naming rights, all of the things, things are happening and they're doing putting that money right back into the team and buying great players. Hang in there, Coyotes fans. <laughs> um, I was going to try to smoothly transition into a, uh, a Manscaped oh. read, but Petey. There's nothing I'm smooth. A, oh. Here we go. Smoother than a Manscaped read. Here we read. go, Petey, if you want to take it away. Well, I will say this. There's a lot of pressure. because that, This is a big deal. Again, we got Cardinal Sun's a big deal. Like on our little show in the basement. <laughs> full disclaimer full disclaimer i cannot do manscape braids anymore because my grandmother listens to these podcasts and i feel so horrible <laughs> knowing that my grandma is listening to me talk about this so i have passed off my manscape read duties to pd love the company use code phnx and manscape but personally my grandmother might cheers to have you done one yet no i don't touch them <laughs> Nope. Support for the PHNX Sports Show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and the 2 million partners who are glad they did by going to manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping using the code PHNX. Did anybody here get a chance to go outside last night and look at the sky or early this morning? No. no. I'm very concerned already. (laughs) Full moon last night. It's particularly bright, and this time of year, it is called a hunter's moon. Because it's a nightlight for hunters that used to prepare for the hunt for the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, let your inter hunt, inner hunter come out with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. It has its own built-in nightlight, so you can hunt down your furry prey and prepare for winter. Whether you are just using, whether you are using a big shotgun or a slingshot, or even if you are not hunting right now and just a gatherer doing the job by hand, <laughs> make sure you are clean and confident down there with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHNX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PHNX at manscaped.com. Keep your firearm clean and polished. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. No, it's manscaped season. (laughs) 
Well done. Oh, that was amazing. I'm very well impressed. Done. I lived up to the hype and then some. Oh, I'm really crying tears <laughs> over here. I can't make it through these reads, you guys. I'm no. just too innocent. I'm I was sorry. genuinely interested in the story you were telling us. But see, the, the truth is, <laughs> and we'll say this too. Don't wait. Like, this 20% off and free shipping, it's like Christmas. It's going to go away. Oh. Like, don't miss out. Yes. Please use okay. our code PHNX at manscaped.com. Petey, you got uh, the comments riled up with your... Uh... Here. Drop that mic <laughs> to read. I tell you what, if you what haven't heard the field, the dreams read, it's still my favorite. Oh boy. All the right. Kevin Costner, well, thank you, Petey, for that. Uh, Petey is a manscaped legend. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that's a good thing See, to be known for. Like, that's the Coyote fans' expectations right there. Oh, Let's have a good manscape read. All right. Well, going okay. from, you know, one team who has had a litany of owners, including the league, to one team who has had one family own it since the very beginning the bidwell family has been the owner of the cardinals since inception chicago st louis arizona all over the place um it seems to me that this is a great time to own the team now but some could say you know it wasn't always that way especially with the previous owner how now has michael turned the tides of this cardinals ownership and improved this franchise do you think well, I think they might have had under under his dad, um, Bill Bidwell, had the reputation of of being cheap and and not paying players to to keep the you know their star players or keep them happy. Uh, and we all know at this point that you know you, you, your players they need to feel respected and um, and and like little things you'd hear stories about players having to pay for certain you know extra socks and like things like that or they're just sort of like it's like really it's it's a small gesture by you but it means a lot to me and like that those kinds of things you would hear about but I think Michael has done a, a tremendous job in taking over for his dad and um, I don't know that you really hear much negativity surrounding it mm -hmm. I think the one knock that you might have heard and probably this year's results because winning cures everything uh, have sort of silenced the Steve Kime critics, but I think at times he's been he's buddies with Steve Kime, and so at, yeah. at times he's been criticized for giving Kime a little too much leeway. Um, and so you know that's that's maybe the one thing that I've heard about it. But again, you know this team's winning. Steve Kime has got nothing but praise for you know the moves that he's made, and you know all is well right now. But Michael Bidwell has does a lot in the community. Mm -hmm. Unlike Sarver, he makes himself available to to media. He answers questions. You know, you can you hear him on the radio all the time, um, and he's out in the community giving back. Um, you know, before COVID, you know, I'd cover events all the time, like during Thanksgiving, where he's with the team handing out meals at a shelter, things like that. He's out. Um, you know, my my former co coworker Cam Cox was telling me a story. He's like, I don't think I've ever heard of an owner doing this. Uh, when he was, I think, 2018 at Green Bay, um, when the team was horrible, um, he, on a Saturday night, showed up to uh, a Bird Gang travel event. Shout out to our new partners, by the way, mm -hmm. Bird Gang Travel, um, and was there taking pictures super late at night on a Saturday out in Green Bay, talking, taking pictures with, with fans. And that kind of stuff goes a long way with players, with the fan base, uh, and with the community. So he's done a tremendous job in that regard. Um, and he's been nothing but, um, you know, but super friendly, 
you know, anytime he's out and about. Did yeah. he take over prior to the run to the Super Bowl? Was he the owner then, Mac? Um, do you do your research? Michael took over in. It's only been like five. Yeah, I'm curious. It hasn't been the very long. I, I don't think it's been very long. Yeah, because I don't... It, that is the one benefit to an owner in NFL football. Their TV contract is the richest in sports. So yeah. you can pay your players based on your TV contract before you even open the door. Right. So to run a tight business, honestly, it didn't matter if they won or lost. The owner is going to make money. And that's in sports, it's almost counterintuitive. You think you should have to win to make money mm-hmm. or, or be competitive to make money. In football, you didn't have to be. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's probably the view they took then. Well, and that was my Why next, do we need to spend money? Yeah, that was my next question, Tirson, is, you know, the Bedwell family has owned this team since its inception, and yet they have never won a Super Bowl. Do you think, you know, they care about winning and they are really bought, they really care about, you know, wanting to win a, a championship. They want to bring the Super Bowl, the Lombardi Trophy to the Valley. Is that something that they're all in on? I don't really have anything that would suggest otherwise, so... Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to win in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And so uh, I don't think that you can ever say since this team has not hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, that means the owner doesn't care. I think they're totally bought into winning and totally bought into this into the community, mm-hmm. which is great to see. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it just takes time and, um, you know, having the right, you know, people around you. That's, I mean, a lot of times, again, this goes back to my initial comment to you, Michaela. It is really difficult to figure out what's ownership and what's the the people closest to him making that are also helping make decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's, it's the people around them that yeah. they haven't put in place mm-hmm. uh, where I would say most of the, the blame or the credit uh can fall to so i think right now um you know what they've been able to 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 produce here in the last you know couple of years and develop into this six and zero run to start the season um i think shows that they're they're not only dedicated to it but they're willing to think outside the box for ways to to get to that point and yeah, I mean, I think I think Cardinals fans should be should be pretty pretty happy with Cardinals ownership. Yeah, and I think this season more than any, at least in my personal opinion, it feels like they really want to win this season. Especially, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they lost Max Williams to a, an injury, and he went on the IR, and they immediately looked for solutions. And now Zach Ertz is an Arizona Cardinal. To me, that's a move you make if you want to win, and you're a contender. You know that you're a contender. And not that money fixes everything, but they're going to make those resources available to bring in players like a Zach Ertz caliber in order to make that happen. 100%. And this is just on the top of my mind because I was going to talk about it tonight on the PHNX Cardinals podcast, but I'll go ahead and say it here first. <laughs> <Tune in. laughs> um, I, I feel like the way that last season ended, as horrific as it was, was the best thing that could have ever happened to the Cardinals. Yeah. Because it lit a fire to make changes. You know, had they made it to the playoffs, I don't know that we would have JJ Watt mm-hmm. or Rodney Hudson. And it lit a fire and it showed that the Cardinals were serious about getting better. And they came into the season a heck of a lot better. And make, you know, when when Max Williams goes down, 
you go out and you find and tight ends a really hard position to to find a star player and it just it just is there are only a handful of star tight ends out there mm-hmm. that are going to make a difference and so you go out and you get one of the you know the best in the league to come here and and fill that that void um and so yeah i think they have shown by the moves that they've made and what they've invested into this team that they're all in on winning. Yeah, I think so too. And this is a question for Cherson, but all of you guys can also weigh in. At the current state, looking at around the Valley, the current state of the rest of the teams, would you say that Michael Bidbull is the best owner currently in the Valley? I'm, I feel like it'd have to be by default just because, and I, I, I do think that Sarver has been better in recent years. Like you don't make that trade for Chris Paul sign Jay Crowder, re-sign Bridges, extend Shamit, like make all these moves or at least, you know, give your GM the freedom to make these kind of moves if you're not committed to paying up for a winner. I think obviously a finals run kind of backs you into a corner in that regard. But even before that, last summer he made moves. But I feel like just given his kind of checkered past and and the amount of distrust there, because like, you know, you're talking about an owner who's going out in the community, building that culture, building that relationship with cardinals fans sarver has done a lot of you know community events and stuff like that but you would never like equate him with that you would like Suns fans when they hear sarver they cringe like it's not a yeah. healthy relationship at all <laughs> yeah so and, like and michael default. bidwell's made himself a face of the franchise too mm-hmm. like he's yeah. around he's visible and i a mm-hmm. lot of the comments she just said something that struck home to me like he, the owners do you blame them owners or the managers Alex Morello Sr. is not around this team. He doesn't have an office at the building. He's not there on every day-to-day basis. Right. He comes to some games. He's got businesses all over right. North America. Like this you know is, who you see, Javier Gutierrez. Right. It's it's so let's Alex Morello Sr. is the owner of the Coyotes. Is he creating the culture there? He goes to the Christmas party. Like, and, and I'm not making light of it. He is not Michael Bidwell. Michael Bidwell is there every day, offsing yeah. every day on the sidelines. So these decisions falling back on the owner at the coyotes maybe not completely fair yeah. because he's just getting reports from the people he put in place so that's where all of that lies not the owner himself yeah so i don't know how much he really knows what's going on there every day i really don't yeah because mm-hmm. you just don't see him where michael bidwell he's there yeah he's hands-on and it might even be the difference i mean they do stuff with children's hospital I mean, they're really ingrained in the community. And it might be the difference between a family-owned business and somebody yeah. who's just here to, to make Put money. Put it to his portfolio. Yeah. 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 Well, and mm-hmm. I think it, too, like, Michael Bidwell has done such a great job of just, like you said, establishing himself as a person that, you know, is involved with the organization that is there, that is cares. Um, even with his players, you know, when, unfortunately, um, Bill Bidwell passed away, tragically, Kyler Murray had a portrait made for Michael of his father that he could mm-hmm. hang in his office. Yep. And I think that speaks volumes. You know, Kyler Murray's not going to do that if he doesn't care about the owner, doesn't have a relationship with an owner. But the fact he took time to do that also, I think, speaks to, you know, who Michael is as an owner and how much he cares about the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And you can see players stick around, you know, the Larry Fitzgerald thing. Um, the fact that he, I don't think it was, uh, you know, that's something that starts from, from the top and trickles down, you know, the culture that Larry wanted to be a part of. And, you know, the fact that he sort of had an open door and I know was he doesn't he's not going to come back. So that's not what I'm uh, that's not what I'm getting at. But the fact that it was like, you know, hey, we respect you. We value you. You mean so much to what we've done. If you want to come play for us, you're welcome to come play for us. I mean, those sort of things 
go a really, really long way with not only the players, but could you imagine if they had said, oh, well, you know, it's on him for for not, you know, want, wanting to play this year. Uh, you know, we wish him the best or whatever. I mean, fans probably would have been pissed. A la Shane Doan at the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And guess why <laughs> Shane Doan wasn't around, wasn't around for so long? And, oh, Shane Doan's around again. I mean, yeah. it's all... I mean, there's certain there's certain yeah. th- there's certain things you say and you don't say, but there's also if you look around, there's reasons why everything is you know happens the way that it does. <laughs> and Shane Doan's back, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a shift in ownership completely. The the the, the reason he's back, and you know it, it, what you say, maybe isn't always as important as what you do. Yeah. Do you think Michael's the best owner in the valley currently? Um. I mean, I, I suppose if you if you you know want to weigh an argument for each one, um, I think that Sarver gets a little more flack now for what he's done in the past, and I'm not sure that that's fair. Like in this specific instance, which is why we're even talking about this topic, is because mm-hmm. of the DeAndre Ayton situation. I really don't think that's 100% him. I think I think people grow and learn, and you you know you can start a career and have. Uh, you know, an ego or a a reason for doing it that may not be pure or, you know, whatever the case is, and you can grow and learn and become a different person. That happens. We have all grown in our life and our careers. So I don't think, I think Sarver probably gets a, a little too much flack um, for everything at this point. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, I, I'm, I think the jury's still out on the Coyotes' ownership, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, And I think that's fair. Yeah, so we can sit there and we can talk on both ends of the spectrum. They're doing a lot of things. They're also trying to get out in the community, although it's Javier and not it's not right. the ownership. It's not the owner. No, it's mm-hmm. not the owner. Um, You're right, it's not the owner. And the owner wasn't even, and I saw one of the comments come across, the owner wasn't an opening night of the new season. And, you know, that kind of that's a way to endear yourself with your fan base. Mm-hmm. But not saying you have to be present but you don't have to be you know jerry jones or mark cuban you don't have to be that right right but it does help have a recognizable face that that's the guy we believe in and that's the guy we're following to the promised land i think it does go with with owners i feel like it's a delicate line between walking like walking the balance between publicly present but behind the scenes giving the people that you hire the leeway to make the moves they need to make because nobody likes a meddling owner and that's why Sarver gets so much flack because in the past he's intervened. I think now he's actually taken a step back and unfortunately he's still getting a lot of flack for it because of his past. Yep. We haven't talked about the Diamondbacks at all, but I feel like there's probably a lot to say. Um, I, I, I feel like they're, they're well run for the most part. And, um, if you loop all of them in though, I would still say, uh, the Bidwells are doing um, so much great, th- so many great things um, at, in every aspect of ownership. And so for, you know, all things considered, I would say they're probably the best. Yeah. And love them or hate them. Thank goodness we have them mm-hmm. because we wouldn't be here talking about sports if these guys didn't put up a lot of their money to yeah. make all of these things happen. It's mm-hmm. true. So it thank true. goodness we have them. That is true. I love that, PD. Ending on a very positive note. <laughs> wow, right, that PD. Was, uh, <laughs> trying. What a ray of sunshine you are. Um, that was our t- discussion on how the ownership is affecting the teams in the Valley. You guys are more than welcome to weigh in on Twitter. We already have a tweet up about this at PHNX underscore sports. 
make sure you go follow us on Twitter and weigh in on the conversation or in our members only discord. We would love to hear what you guys think about the owners in the Valley. Um, if you sign up to become an annual member at uh, gophnx.com, you'll get a free t-shirt. You also get access to all of our written content. Gerald has the most amazing articles up on uh, gophnx.com about the sun. So make sure you become a member, sign up, you get access to that members only discord. You get to talk with us. We're in there all the time. Um, and, oh, yeah, speaking of the Cardinals, really quickly, they're 17.5-point favorites on DraftKings Sportsbook yeah. right now. Um, that is quite the spread, Jerson. Um, I'm not sure take... that that's ever happened before. Yeah. That's, that's, a... that's a college football spread. Like, that's not a yeah, pro football. It's Alabama. That's not, yeah. You, yeah, I think Johnny, Johnny knows more about it, but, like, the fact that I'm, what they've done so far this season and the fact that they're 17 and a half point favorites like it's that's crazy that's wild are you taking them i'm assuming um yeah johnny was telling me that uh, uh if you take like the 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 line though like you're not going to make money off of it right is yeah. what is what he was it's explaining to me because mm -hmm. i'm still learning this whole sports betting thing line, yeah. so so because they're such heavy favorites if you pick the cardinals to win like you're, I mean, you're not really going to, you have to bet a lot to make mm -hmm. a little. Yeah. So it is what it is. <laughs> Makes sense. Are you guys betting anything this weekend? You got anything on the Suns? I have a, I have a couple of prop bets on the Suns based okay. on who's going to score, how many points. I have a couple of parlays that I include the Ki or the Cardinals just because I was like, if I just compound these parlays, it'll add up at some <laughs> point. Um, but yeah, I had a couple for the Suns. I had them to win. And I think if Devin Booker scores more than 20, um, I think it was a plus 100, but I can't remember. Correct. It's a whole new world. And most importantly, it's unbelievably easy. I wait till Saturday. I'm a college football only. Mm. I know nothing about college football. <laughs> I just wait to see what game is on. Yeah. And I hit my button. And then I can watch the game with interest. Then I care, no matter what the score is. So Love that. It's Forcing yourself to, to care by betting on the games. Yeah. <laughs> you can also emotionally hedge your bets. You know, if the team loses, but you bet on the other team to win, that's emotional that's hedging okay. right there. Yeah. You get to profit off that. Well, that's, so. how, that's how fantasy football works, too. All of a sudden, you care about certain yes. teams you don't yep. care about just because they've got your guy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, make sure you guys download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code PHNX at sign up. If you bet $5 on any NFL team to win and that team does win, you'll get $200 in free bets. It's an awesome deal DraftKings is great safe reliable we love them make sure you go download that app don't forget forget to become a member at gophnx.com where you get access to all of our awesome content thank you so much for watching the phoenix sports podcast or listening if you're listening to it on your apple or spotify and we will see you next week